Well, as we begin this uh, year of 2015, and we uh, are going to place this great emphasis upon uh, what I think can be a, a great event in the life of our church with these 100 days of prayer, uh, I, I wanted to, to do some sermons along with that on, on prayer. I find that there's great interest in prayer and always questions about prayer. Uh, that come to our mind about, you know, what, what exactly should be the language of prayer, when should we pray, how should we pray, all of those things. And so uh, what I hope to be able to address and to accomplish in the weeks that we're together on looking about prayer is uh, maybe even move from a, a simple understanding about what prayer is uh, to maybe the discipline of prayer as to how we incorporate that into our life uh, then to move on to what I would call some uh, of the very thorny uh, questions about prayer, such as if God is sovereign and going to do what he wants to do anyway, then why should I pray about matters? Uh, and then we'll deal with that, what we might want to call the mystery of unanswered prayer. Now, I would think if we would take a survey today, we would find that probably every one of us in here would say at some point in time in our life, we feel like that we have had prayers that we have offered in genuine uh, heartfelt conviction, uh, asking for the right thing, praying in God's will and in the name of Christ, and yet we feel like we haven't gotten our prayers answered. So why does that take place? And then maybe even move into the greater challenge about prayer, particularly the one that uh, Jesus gave to us in Matthew 17 when he talked about having mountain-moving faith to be able to pray and see a mountain cast into the sea. And that's why Rick worked in that little course, that portion of, uh, of an anthem that the choir has done at some point in time about move, mountain move. So where do we begin on this whole concept about prayer as we enter into these 100 days of prayer? Well, we've got a quick video here uh, just to introduce the concept of prayer to you. In many ways, prayer is a simple thing to do. But sometimes we can have a limited view of what prayer actually is. Now, don't get me wrong. Prayer is a means of supplication and making requests to God. It's just that prayer is also more than that. Prayer is both talking to God and having a relationship with Him. Prayer is making yourself available to God and allowing Him to make Himself available to you. Prayer is a way to ask God for provision for tomorrow and a means by which He provides the sustenance we need for today. So we pray not to get our own way, but rather we pray to align ourselves to God's will. We pray not for things that might create independence from God, but rather we pray as an expression of dependence upon God. Yes, God loves to hear our prayers and requests. He listens to them, He delights in them, and He responds to them. It's just that prayer is also where we can confess our sins, praise His goodness, listen to His voice, and be reminded of truth. Prayer isn't just a way to ask for more fruit, but through prayer, we begin to bear more fruit. Prayer isn't just words spoken at specific times during the day. It's living with a mindset that allows God to transform you throughout all of your days. So don't think of prayer as just an activity done before meals or bedtime, but Rather, think of prayer as a way of life. Everything that uh, we need to begin to understand about prayer, if we don't, 
uh, already, and that is that, that prayer is more than just asking for things from God, that it's a, a way of lifestyle. And I think no one exhibited that any better, ever has or ever will, than our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so I want us to look at the scripture today from Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. I will read verses 1 through 10. And we'll see here in this passage of scripture in this setting as Jesus answers a question from the disciples uh, that he gives to us some principles about prayer. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Uh, Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins. Uh, For we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. I think when we uh, come to address this whole issue about prayer, uh, it it leads to some very basic questions such as, well, how do you pray? And and why do we pray at all? And when do you pray? Uh, And is there a specific language or posture even that we should take as we pray? And so that's what's behind, I think, this request that the disciples made to Jesus about, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I think it's so interesting the setting in which they asked that of our Lord. It wasn't after a great teaching about prayer. It wasn't after a great sermon about prayer. But it was an observance of his lifestyle. They had watched him. They had seen him. They knew that it was a pattern of his life. And so they wanted to be able to experience what Jesus was experiencing in that relationship with God. And the text, as Luke gives it to us, says, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, they said to him, being the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. In other words, the followers of Jesus here, these disciples saw the power of prayer in his life. They saw how important it was to him. And before their very eyes, they saw a personality in whom prayer was very, very significant. And Jesus' reply to them is also very significant as well, and it is to us as well too. Now, he gave them some principles about prayer, but he didn't tell them everything about prayer, and he doesn't tell us everything about prayer today. I think prayer is an issue, a discipline in our life, a topic, a subject, whatever you want to call it, that we could never exhaust the complexities about that. Because prayer is an ongoing relationship with God, 
where we are growing in that relationship with God, where we're listening for the heart of God, where we're seeking to be obedient to the will of God, where we not only pour out our heart and we ask for things, but we also receive things from God, and we want to be obedient to do those things. And and I certainly trust that those were all of the things behind the request that the disciples made of Jesus to say, Lord, teach us how to pray. But let me underscore once again that Jesus didn't tell them then, nor us today, everything about prayer. I'm reminded of a story that's told from many, many generations back. uh, That a family lived on the farm and and they made butter. You know, they churned butter. You had to put milk in the thing and and cream or whatever all. And and you had to churn it and then you had to mold it and you make butter. And the the mother was usually the one who took it to town and would sell it. But this time she was had some other things going on, a child she had to see about or whatever. So she sent the oldest child, the son, into town to sell the butter. She said, now, son, I really want you to get 50 cents for each pound of butter. But if you can't get 50 cents, then take 25 cents a pound. And he said, okay. So he started out, and he came to the edge of town. He knocked on the first door that he came to, and a man came to the door. And he said, what do you want? And the little boy said, well, I'm selling butter. And the man said, well, how much is it? And the little boy said, well, my mama said she'd like to get 50 cents a pound, but I could take as much as, or as little as 25 cents a pound and no lower. And the man said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll buy a pound of butter, and I'm going to teach you something very important at the same time. So he got his butter, and he gave the boy a quarter. And he said, if you hadn't have told me that your mother would have taken 25 cents for the butter, I would have paid 50 cents a pound for the butter. So as you go through life, you need to learn this lesson not to tell everything that you know. A little boy took the cord, he put it in his pocket, and he said, well, I really didn't tell you everything that I know. He said, I didn't say nothing about the cat falling in the cream. Well, the same thing is true about prayer. Jesus did not and basically could not at that setting. Tell them everything that they needed to know about prayer. But I think if we look at how Jesus, I think, addresses their, their, their request in three specific ways, that he gives us at least three principles for prayer uh, that I think are, are fundamental for us as we begin to, to take a more serious look at prayer. And maybe some of you have a great dynamic prayer life, and maybe some of you don't. Maybe for some of you, like our video pointed out, it's only when you go to bed at night or it's only when you have a meal or it's only when you really have a need or only when it's a time of crisis in your life. When we look at the life of Jesus, we will see that prayer was always a significant part of his life and his relationship with God his Father, and it should be for us. Therefore, here are these three principles that Jesus gives us. First of all, There is that principle of consistent prayer that Jesus talks about. And Jesus also modeled that in his life. Uh, Three incidences. In Mark 1, 35, the scripture says, In the early morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. In Mark 6, verses 45 through 46, Mark says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. And then in Luke 6, 12, the scripture says, 
It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. So when we look at the life of Jesus, as these early disciples did, we see that Jesus took time to pray. He had a regular schedule for his prayer. It was a consistent prayer pattern that he had in his life. And then when those real thorny moments came in his life, it was a normal part of his relationship to God that he would go to God in the most heart-wrenching and heartfelt prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane that could ever be offered. And so I would suggest to you in the midst of all that we do in our life, we need to put prayer into our life as a basic component of our life. And we need to practice that principle of consistency in our prayer life because the Lord Jesus Christ gives us that model that his prayer life was one of consistency. And you say, well, you know, I I try to do that, but I just find myself so busy that I cannot keep a disciplined time for my prayer. And I can understand that because I've gone through some of those same spells in my life. There have also been times in my life when I felt like my prayers never got above the ceiling of the room in which I was praying. Have you ever felt that way? Like they, they, they never made it to heaven. They never got out of the room. They never, they, they never got beyond that ceiling. And then there were times of disappointment in my prayer life. Where I would pray for something for a period of time. In my life, I prayed specifically for about 10 years for one specific thing and it never took place. I felt like I never had the answer to that that I wanted. And there was the problem. It was the answer that I wanted. And I kind of gave up on prayer for a while. It was a hit or miss thing in my life. And then later on, I could look back at my life and see uh, that, that God didn't answer that prayer because he's far wiser than I am. And he is a good, loving parent, and he didn't want to give that to me. I think it was Garth Brooks, a country singer, that they talked about, thank God for unanswered prayers. You think about that sometime in your life. If you had every prayer answered the way you wanted to, your life would be a mess. So would mine, and God knows that, and so he doesn't give us that. But at the same time, we've got to be able to work through some of all these issues in our life, one of them being the busyness of our life. So that we can have that consistency with our prayer. We've got a wide range of ages and family demographics in, in the life of our church. For some of you at the point in life where you can get up at a fairly reasonable time and have as much time as you want to spend in prayer. Some of you, even in this 845 traditional worship hour, you still got children in school. You got, and you're working. And you don't always have all that time in the morning. Oh, you try to get up 30 minutes earlier and have that quiet time. But the night before was hectic. You didn't get in from work till late or a ball game with a kid or an activity with your children or something going on. And so it's, it's a time-consuming thing, and it's the busyness that wears us down. In fact, you just kind of get through the day, and at the end of the day, you kind of fall into bed. And then you say, oh, I, I need to say some prayers. I forget. You know, one of the things that I think that we have discovered is that we're so busy, we're on the edge of burnout. It's been pointed out to us that, that burnout is not the result of just simply too much activity, but too much of the wrong activity because it wears us down and saps our energy. Think about Jesus. He knew that when he began his ministry, he had a short window. 
in which to do all that he needed to do, to call disciples, to train them, to establish the church, to be able to do the teaching that he needed to leave us that we find here in the early chapters of the New Testament. And yet we never find Jesus too busy to go and pray and express himself to God. So we need to have that consistency in our life. Let me give you, I'm going to give you some practical prayer pointers. Maybe you have incorporated all of these things into your life on a regular basis, or maybe you've tried and you've not been able to do that, or maybe it's the first time that you might hear some of these suggestions. I just want to throw out several for you, okay? First of all, uh, journal your prayers, uh, you know, or, or, or use a prayer journal. I, I use a prayer journal uh, that Peter Lord put together many years ago called the 2959 plan, and that's literally what he calls 29 minutes and 59 seconds. Well, I find if I use it correctly, it takes me a lot longer than that. But, uh, the, and I don't, ju- I don't journal my prayers in terms of writing out my prayers. I tried that for a while and I thought, you know what, God's going to know what I say anyway, so why do I have to write it out? But journal your prayers. I can go back through my prayer journal, and oftentimes things come up in our family discussion or at staff meetings about things. When did this happen? When did that happen? And all that. I can usually go back in my prayer journal and find when it happened and took place because I can be, I remember I was in prayer about that issue. So I think get a journal. There's all different kinds you can find in the bookstore where you can journal your prayer life. Then secondly, I suggest take a prayer walk. You know, and there's multiple places that you can do that, around the neighborhood where you live, and pray for the family that lives in each house. Whether they're believers or non-believers, they have issues, and you know something about their life. You know, maybe you might want to go and, and, and walk around the school where your children attend or where you teach and have a prayer walk and pray for those children and the teachers and administrators there. Or maybe you might want to come here to Spring Valley during these 100 days of prayer emphasis and walk around our church and pray on the outside. Or do as I often do sometimes. I come over here sometimes during the week and I will sit in different pews and pray or walk through the halls and pray. Come walk through the building and pray for what goes on in all of our classrooms and all of the buildings that we have and ask for God's blessings. Pray over your calendar and your schedule. Goodness, that ought to be a very significant part of your prayer life. Uh, Don't just put it in your phone or wherever else you're going to have it and all these reminders to come on. But every time you have a reminder that pops up about something that you've got to do or you're supposed to do or a meeting, then ask God's blessings over that. Ask him to give you wisdom and guidance about that. Pray over your schedule. And then when God brings interruptions into your life, be prepared for it. Now, here's one that sometimes I struggled with, and that is praying Scripture. I thought for a long time, if God wrote it all, why do I need to pray it back to him? He knows it. You ever thought that? Ever had that feeling about that? And sometimes people would start praying scripture and I would think, well, you know, God wrote it. Why do you want to do that? But then I've come to understand how significant it is. What else is there more foolproof and failproof than the word of God? Why not pray it back to God? Like in 1 Peter 5, 7, a contemporary English uh, translation says, God cares for you, so turn all your worries over to him. Well, you can turn that into a prayer and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you and give you all my worries. I know you will take care of me. I told you what you're doing in your daily Bible reading, and I hope that's something else that's a discipline in your life. When you come to a particular verse that rings a bell with you, pray it back to God, Okay. Then how about this one? Pray about the news. Good night. If you don't have enough to pray about, just listen to the news from wherever you get it. 
There's enough in there for, to send you to your knees before God and pray about what's going on in our world, in our state, our nation, all of that. And then the next one I had down was partner up. And as we go into the uh, uh, 30, uh, 100 days of, of, of prayer and we have these prayer triplets, then I would suggest to you, you know, triple up. Uh, if you don't have a prayer partner, then this is a perfect time then you can triple. Get, it, get together with two other people you don't know that well so you can build a relationship. So if you've ever caught yourself saying, you know, I just don't know many people in the life of our church. This is a great opportunity to do two things. Learn more people and learn more about prayer, isn't it? Wonderful opportunity for that. So don't call your best friends, Howard, and sign them up to be in, in your prayer triplet. Get some people that you really don't know that well. And learn them in that time. Then I would say be quiet in prayer. You know, besides the, the, the old thing about uh, used to get in, use the telephone booth as an emphasis for that. I don't think a telephone booth exists. The last one I saw, they knocked over on its side at the quick mark at Pontiac up there for about three years before Southern Bell, AT&T, or whatever it was, finally got it and took it away. But some of us remember those old days where you could get in a phone booth and close the door so you could hear a conversation. Everybody's got a cell phone now. That's obsolete. And they use that out in public. Drives me nuts when somebody's in a store carrying on a conversation, especially when they got a earpiece. I think they're talking to me. I've answered people so many times, and they look at me like I'm a nut. You know? But you've got to have quiet time where if, you, if it's dialogue with God, how are you going to hear him if you're not quiet? How are you going to know what God tells you is to answer to your question about what to do if you're not quiet enough to hear God speak to you? And then the last thing I would simply say is just keep a prayer on your lips. And that's the answer to how do we pray consistently? How do we pray without ceasing? Let's keep a prayer on your lips. Every opportunity that comes along is an opportunity to pray. I guess the bottom line of all of this is really only one test, and that is how much of God do we want in our life? How much of God do we really want in our life? And I think that's determined by your prayer life. And so Jesus teaches us to pray consistently. Second principle, he gives us the principle of continual prayer. He tells a rather interesting story about a friend goes to another friend's house at midnight and he starts pounding on the door because he didn't have any food and somebody had come to see him. And it was a custom of that day. If somebody showed up at your house no matter what time of day or night it was, you're supposed to feed them, be hospitable to them. He goes to his friend, knocks on the door at midnight. I need some food to feed this friend of mine that's come by. And, and, and he points out, he says, because the guy says, I'm already in bed. And if you understand something about that, sometimes they brought everything they owned into the house. Children, animals, the, the, the ones that produce for, uh, you know, like chickens and, and other animals. And even sometimes their donkey. They would bring everything inside because there was uh, no real security measures in that day. It would have been a mess. He disturbed everybody. But Jesus kind of gives us the indication that because the guy was persistent knocking on the door, then he gives us the principle of the fact of continual prayer often gets results because he says, not because he was the man's friend, but because he was pounding on the door, he'd finally get up and give him what he wanted. Now, what Jesus teaches us is to continually engage in prayer. It does not mean that the longer or harder we engage in that prayer, continually pounding on that door that we're going to get what we want, but we will get an answer to our prayers. Now, I think behind this concept he gives to us, there are some significant things for us. First of all, 
we're all admitting that we need answers. And so we're coming to God and we're asking for answers about all the stuff that's going on in our life. Uh, We really need to know more about God is what we're saying. Something about the mystery about God. And then there's a second aspect about this this consistent and continual praying, uh, persistently asking, and that is it it brings something about multiple requests brings answers to us. Or maybe we hear them better at that point. And then there's a third thing, and that's the purpose of continually asking. And let me relate it to us this way. We live in what I would call a very orderly world. Now, we as individuals might not be that way. If you look at my desk at home in my study in my office here, oftentimes people just walk in and shake their heads here. You know, it's because I'm organized. It's just not neat. I know where everything is. And when I try to get organized, that's when I lose things. Have you ever experienced that in life? I, I do. Um, but we, we live in a fairly organized world where we expect fairly consistent results. You know, for instance... You dial a phone number. Most of the time, you, you don't, well, you don't dial them anymore or whatever. However you call somebody. Normal, most of the time, you're going to get the number you want. You put a stamp on an envelope and put it in the mail. Most of the time, it's going to get there. You know, you work the computer the way it tells you to. What you put in is what you're going to get out. Normally, it works the way it's supposed to. I mean, how predictable is this world in which we live that God has given to us? It's very predictable. It never ceases to amaze me that whenever we go down to the beach to spend time with our family, one of the first things I notice is there's a tide chart for the whole year. Isn't that amazing that that you can can have on on a chart and know the high tides and low tides every day and and the times that they're going to come in? That's because we live in an orderly world. The other thing is that you listen to the weather every day and they can tell you when the sun's going to rise tomorrow and when it's going to set. And it's there with accuracy. So we live in a fairly organized world. And so our life tends to be around those organizations. And we think our prayer life should be answered that way. And I think that's a part of the mystery of prayer. Because it's not just necessarily that we expect to offer that prayer in that organized pattern. Whichever pattern that you have been taught to pray. But it should be an intersection of worship and, and, and prayer that brings us into the very heart of God. Think about the last thing you really prayed in earnest about. That thing that you were devoted to that at that time was the most significant thing in your life that you wanted or needed. How was it that you prayed about that? Well, let me remind you about this. The scripture says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So what's the point of asking? We live in this fairly organized world and and when we expect to give a a request and get something back. And we don't necessarily get it that way in prayer. Then let me take you to Psalm 37, 4. And it's this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, again, that does not mean you just simply pray and God will give you what you want. But when you attune your life with the will of God, then what you want is the will of God. And that's what you get. Keep praying in order to get a perfect understanding of God. Then the third principle that Jesus gives us is the principle of confident prayer. We see that in verses 9 through 10 when Jesus said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. 
And he says the reason for it is the more you ask, you'll get the answer. When you seek, you will find. And when you knock, the door will be opened. He calls us to pray with confidence. Now, I, I diverge from the example of Jesus and go to 1 John chapter 5. In verses 14 and 15, 1 John's writer John says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Now, that talks about confidence, doesn't it? This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And that confidence there means a state of boldness and assurance, even in the face of intimidating circumstances. I guess by now most of you are aware of the fact that we have two of our children married with children back living with us while they come to answer calls for ministry in different churches here in Columbia. And they're going to be living with us until they get out on their own and find a house. Well, that means I have four children, four grandchildren there in my house. And I have learned very quickly not to grant their requests when they come to Papa to ask him of something. But to be able to go back and trace it to their mother to say, have you asked your mother about this? Because oftentimes they have come to me and said, can I have a piece of chewing gum, Papa? And I give them a piece of chewing gum. And later on I hear, I hear one of the mothers say, Emily Ann's children, the ones at that age, because Landronelle's only about three weeks old. But anyway, Emily said, Emily Ann will say, who gave you that? I told you you couldn't have any gum. Papa gave it to me. <laughs> well, then there are two of us in trouble. So when we're praying, we have to be understanding that our confidence is based upon our relationship with God. And that relationship with God is based upon the will of God. That's what we have to learn, I think, in this. To pray according to the will of God doesn't just mean you tack on in your name, in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer. But earnestly want to have the will of God brought about in your life and in the world. Prayer is not an attempt to twist the arm of God to get what we want. But it's the opportunity to come to know God, to develop that personal relationship on a deeper level and to enjoy that relationship and to love him even more. God God is is a loving father and he knows what we, his children, need better than we do ourselves. Let me wrap this up. When Jesus gives us these three prayer principles, I think what he's saying to us is that prayer is communicating with God for the purposes of knowing him, seeking his heart, and doing his will. Somebody said it's putting your ear to God's chest to hear and know his heartbeat. And and my prayer for us as we move forward in these hundred days of prayer, that we don't pray just for a hundred days but that we really learn to pray and the significance of it and we grow in that relationship with God. And in that way, we have our spiritual eyes and our spiritual heart open to what God wants to do. And then together we will see God do tremendous things in the life of our church. I think Jesus knew that. Without a doubt, he knew that. And that's something we need to learn in our prayer. So as we go through these messages in the weeks to come, I trust that You'll come ready to hear what God's Word has to say about prayer, and that then you'll go and put it into practice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give to us this wonderful privilege of prayer. 
where we can communicate with you. Father, help us to understand that uh, a prayer is what you give to us to use perhaps in our quiet time and in our personal ways to grow deeper in our relationship with you and to grow deeper in our love with you and to grow deeper in our knowledge about you and your ways and your will and your purposes. So, Father, we would come to in these days together as the disciples did of old and ask of Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And so I pray that you will uh, teach us to pray as we, your children, want to learn from you uh, more about who you are and your desire for us and to learn to pray as the Master did, even Jesus Christ our Lord. It's his name that I pray. Amen.